Media literacy is the biggest gaping hole in our discipleship. This conviction solidified for me after I finished season one of this podcast, and it's become almost a motto or catchphrase for me of sorts. I've become convinced that media literacy needs to be taught and treated with the same level of emphasis and of importance as marriage literacy and financial literacy, because when any of those three things are not taught or promoted, the whole entire church can feel its effects. But unlike those other categories, it can be hard to know where to begin with teaching media literacy, even though I think there are many pastors and ministry leaders that recognize that something needs to be done here, that letting Christians take a radically individualized view of their social media usage is causing catastrophic devastation and confusion within the church as a whole, and that something needs to change here. I work part-time for my church as a social media manager and as a youth ministry associate. For someone like me, teaching media literacy may seem like a contradiction, but I'm not convinced that it is. I'm not convinced that someone can't use social media in ways that are good and healthy and constructive and also teach an understanding of how technology and media shapes us and shapes our world. And one of my long-term goals, as you'll hear in just a second, is to do something that brings those two things together. We decided this past summer to go through a basic media literacy book with our high school students. In response to a survey that we did with our students this past spring, we gathered together all of our high schoolers, probably about 25, 30 students, and we asked them two questions. We asked them, what do you need more of in your life? And what do you need less of in your life? And the top answers from our students for what they needed more of was time with God, support, and friends. And what they needed less of was stress, depression, anxiety, and social media, which was the second highest result in the entire survey. And I think the one that also explains the rest of that survey pretty well. We conducted a follow-up survey specifically on what platforms our students are active on with social media. And while the results there were not too surprising, we were surprised at how eager our kids were to not only offer up this kind of information, but to talk about it at all. Many of them could speak with very specific and intimate ways of how social media makes their lives miserable. And when we filled them in on the results from the first survey, they weren't surprised at all that social media was the common denominator fueling their stress, anxiety, and depression and keeping them from enjoying time with God and eroding their support from their friends and family. As a result, for our summer book study, we decided to take them through Brett McCracken's recent book, The Wisdom Pyramid. This was released earlier in the year and, in my estimation, is one of the best and most helpful books Christians can read and churches can use right now on basic media literacy and basic media ecology. We ultimately chose it because of how balanced and nuanced it is and also for how accessible and down-to-earth it is. The concept of the Wisdom Pyramid 
is inspired by the old FDA food pyramid illustration. If you're like me, you grew up seeing the food pyramid in school cafeterias and all sorts of other places, outlining what a healthy diet of food consists of. And it's been replaced now with something else. I think it's now a plate. But it was originally you had your grains and your breads at the bottom. And then on the next level, you had your fruits and your vegetables. And then on the next level, getting even smaller now, you have your dairies and your fats or proteins. And then at the top, you had your sugary substance. And the goal of the food pyramid was to build a pyramid with your diet. It was to not just only build the base of a pyramid and only eat grains and bread. That's going to make you sick. Conversely, you're not supposed to take sugar and sweets and make that the foundation of your diet as well. That's also going to make you sick. The goal is to build a pyramid with your diet by incorporating all of these different types of food groups in proper proportion and relation to one another. It's not to reject any of them and say any of these are fundamentally bad, but to keep them in their proper place and uh, proportion. And when you don't, you may have a chance of getting sick. And the wisdom pyramid runs on the same principle. The wisdom pyramid starts with scripture at the bottom, and then it moves up to church, and then it moves up to nature, and then to books, and then to art slash entertainment. And then at the top of the pyramid, where sugar and sweets would be, would be the internet and social media. And Brett McCracken does a great job of showing that all of these things are good when kept in their proper place. And just like having a diet only of bread and grains will make you sick, having an information diet of just the internet and social media is also going to make you sick as well. And as Brett argues, and I don't disagree with it at all, we are seeing the effects of a society that has taken what should be at the top of their information intake, this use sparingly category, and they have made it the foundation of their information intake, of their wisdom pyramid, so to speak. So what were the results? How did this end up turning out? Overall, I would say that it went about as well as it could for our first attempt at doing something like this with a topic like this. Our youth ministry does plenty of book groups throughout the year and through the summers covering a wide variety of stuff, but we've never really tackled social media and the internet in such a direct way like this before. Our goals were pretty basic. We wanted to have a trial run going through a book on this topic in a group setting, and we just simply wanted to introduce this topic to our students. And I think we met both of those goals well enough. If you've ever done a summer book study, you know that crazy schedules are a big factor in being able to plan things. People are constantly going out of town. Kids have camps or vacations, and consistency can sometimes be difficult to guarantee. For the first half of the summer, we had maybe 8 to 10 students a week, but by the end of the summer, that had dwindled down to only 2 or 3 students as vacations and work and general summer exhaustion began to ramp up. But we didn't necessarily consider that a bad thing. Not only were our students enjoying it when they were able to come, our youth volunteers were quite consistent and they loved the book. This may have been just as beneficial for the adults as it was for the students, and that's a win in my book. 
For our first attempt at something like this, summer schedules were the biggest interference, and maybe in more stable or consistent seasons or times, I think we would have had a much better result than the one we had, which is one we were perfectly content with. It could have been much worse. But what about the students? What did they think? One of the things I like most about the Wisdom Pyramid, outside of the concept of the Wisdom Pyramid itself and just how helpful that is as a tool, is that Brett spends a couple of chapters setting the context for why we need media literacy and understanding of media ecology and what happens when we make the internet and social media the base of our informational intake and the foundation of our informational diet. For those first three chapters especially, many of our students were able to give names to feelings or struggles that they had sensed and felt in their own lives, but didn't know what to call it or have the vocabulary to describe it. For many of them, this was the first time they'd ever heard of some of these concepts or ideas. And as I taught through the book, I would ask them some pretty pointed questions about their media consumption habits and how that made them feel or how that made them act or behave. And for some of them, this was the first time they'd ever connected those two dots together or thought about those questions. Those were the moments we were looking for, and thankfully, we got to see those multiple times over. And ultimately, we didn't expect a revolution in behavior from our students. We didn't even really expect them to immediately implement the things that they were learning. Just as one hopes to plant seeds of the gospel in evangelism, we were hoping to do the same here on this topic, and we were content with these basic goals because this is not the last time we intend to do something like this or talk about this amongst our students. If media literacy is the biggest gaping hole in our discipleship, and if discipleship is a constant and lifelong process, the same will be true with media literacy as well. Part of the reason why I did this episode was because I am convinced that more people are recognizing that churches need to take this topic seriously because they can see how a lack of media literacy education among Christians is wrecking havoc in their churches and their families, or to use the wisdom pyramids industry, because they could see how sick people are from making the internet and social media the foundation of their informational diets. And yet, it is very overwhelming to know where to start. There are far too many books on this topic to read, and more and more people that are hesitant to read at all. There are too many topics one could consider under this umbrella Overall, the problem feels so deep and large as to feel insurmountable, and I absolutely feel that myself. In doing this episode, though, I hope to encourage people that doing something badly or imperfectly is better than doing nothing at all. This is not a problem that can be fixed with quick, short-term solutions. This is a problem that spans decades of neglect in our discipleship and is not going to be fixed overnight. The only way to do something well is to do it badly for a while, and for me, if I hope to see a media literacy program take root in my own church as an extension of my work in creating social media content and running our social media presence for the church, I needed a couple practice runs of doing this in order to do the thing I really want to do later on down the road and do it well. 
Of course, we would have loved for our entire high school department to show up to these, and for this to have resulted in a revival of sorts among our students where they all set tight controls on their phones for how much time they'll spend on YouTube, and they commit to read the whole Bible over the course of a summer. But that's rarely how things like this go around the first time. We kept our expectations reasonable, and we met them. And if we exceeded them anywhere, then we can count that as an extra blessing to be thankful for. If you need a book to use, I highly recommend The Wisdom Pyramid and believe it to be one of the most well-rounded and helpful books for Christians and for churches to use right now. Start a small group based on your local context and whatever helps your people the best. Don't be disappointed if your first run at something like this doesn't go perfectly or as well as you'd hope. Learn from the things that worked and from what didn't work and make improvements for next time. My lead pastor recently shared a quote with our church staff that I think summarizes the perspective we ought to have on both discipleship as a whole and this discipleship challenge in particular. Quote, You'll always overestimate what you can do in the short term, and you'll always underestimate what you can do in the long term. September's episode of Breaking the Digital Spell will release near the end of the month. Part of the reason why I did two episodes in August was to help calibrate the release schedule that would be the most helpful for me, and so this episode is just going to have to hold you over until then. Breaking the Digital Spell is produced by me, Austin Gravely, with production assistance from Andrew Akins. If you enjoyed this episode, I ask you to consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast, to leave a review in the iTunes store or wherever you're able to, and share it with anyone that you think would enjoy it. If you have questions about anything I've said or you want to reach out to me directly, you can follow me on Twitter at gravely underscore Austin or send an email to breakingthedigitalspell at gmail.com. My name is Austin, and together we are breaking the digital spell.